Hey, this is Blake Betzel from Saul, and you're listening to The Thunder Underground. Welcome to episode 385 of The Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here as always, and we've got a great one for you this week because Blake Bedsaw of the band Saul is here. And hey, that's a lot to be thankful for, right? You like that little segue into saying happy Thanksgiving or happy Thanksgiving week? Blake Bedsaw has been on this podcast before, but it's been quite a while, so I am thankful to have him back. This one is long overdue. Being completely transparent, if you uh, have followed this podcast, if you're a follower, you've noticed that it's been kind of quiet around here lately. I've got caught up in being out of town quite a bit for work. I made it home a couple times, but it was always for a short period of time. And one of my short breaks, I grabbed my laptop, took it with me. I said, I'm going to get this this episode specifically out and a couple other ones recorded while I was gone. And then, of course, I got out to wherever I think at that point it was California. Opened up everything, ready to go and edit, and realized that the interview files were on my desktop at home. So a lot of good that did me. You know, just to stay transparent with you and let you know why it's been so long. Without an episode, and specifically this episode was recorded, you know, before I had this busy fall, so I would say it's been over two months now since this was recorded. I'm glad to finally get this out because Saul has a brand new album that came out a few months ago that's really good. We talk a lot about that and a lot of other stuff, so we're going to jump into that here for you very shortly. But before we do that, I'm going to let you know who we're sponsored by, and that would be Sunset Tattoo. Sunset Tattoo is a tattoo shop located in Midtown Tulsa. Their tattoos are done good and proper, they're state licensed, and they are mother approved. Well over 25 years of experience from Jake Thompson and his crew over there. If you call ahead or message ahead, you can set up a time to go in and talk about what work you're looking to have done. Check out their website, or excuse me, check out their social media. Facebook and Instagram are both Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. There are tons and tons of photos on there from throughout the years. They specialize in all different styles of tattoos. You can't go wrong. I've had work done by them. I'm very happy with it. And I'm going to have work done here again in the future. I know I've said that many times. And I've never given you an update. But I've actually spoken with Jake recently. And looking to have something done here early in 2024. So I will, of course, let you know when that happens. But in the meantime, you need to hit them up on their socials. Give them a follow. Get over there. Talk about this work that you've had in mind, and if you don't know exactly how to put it all together, you just go in there and talk to them, and they'll help you bring it to life. So hit up Sunset Tattoo and let them know you heard about them on Thunder Underground. We've also got DEB Concerts, promoter based right here in Tulsa, that has continuously brought great acts to the Tulsa area. I'm talking bands like Saxon and Last in Line that normally wouldn't get you know booked in the Tulsa area, along with all the great bands of the 80s and early 90s that kind of focused on, but they've also branched out into other stuff like bringing in bands like Buck Cherry and Bisto Blanco, as well as even kicking it into the arena game, bringing in bands like Poison and Lamb of God, Megadeth, Snoop Dogg, and Ice Cube to the arena level here at the BOK Center in Tulsa. And they also booked the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma every year. This year is no different. So hit up debconcerts.com. Follow them on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter is DEB Concerts. 
to stay up to date on any future announcements. And of course, we let you know about those future announcements right here as well. So like I said at the kickoff of this thing, it's been a while. There is a, I don't know what the right word would be, a ton, a shitload, whatever. A mass amount of things to talk about since the last time that I recorded an episode. I've seen a few shows live that I want to talk about. There's a lot of new music out that I would like to mention some other happenings. But I believe what I'm going to do is record another episode, you know, for the next episode, 386. Kind of summarizing the stuff that I've missed here over the past couple months. I even got a recording that I've made of me and Jason, you know, who used to co-host the podcast with me. Of when we went to see Glenn Hughes in Dallas a couple months ago. It was actually around the same time that I did this interview with Blake. We drove down to Dallas to check out Glenn Hughes doing his Deep Purple show. So freaking amazing. So we recorded a, uh, you know, just a, a review, the two of us, talking about it shortly after the show. So on the next episode, I think I'll play you that, as well as give you my thoughts on some other stuff I've seen over the past couple months. Such as Les Claypool's Flying Frog Brigade, Guns N' Roses, Pantera, Dirty Honey... Um, ACDC, my God, ACDC at Power Trip. So there's a lot to unpack, but I'm like I said, I'm going to keep that for a different episode. We're going to make this one all about Saul here. For those of you that are not in the loop, I'm sure you are. If you listen to rock music, you listen to current and modern rock and heavy music, you should know Saul by now. But if you don't, you could jump back to episode 280, or no, this is 385, it was 295, I believe. Actually, during the pandemic was the last time that that Saul was on here, or Blake from Saul. And they had their debut album come out around that time called Rise as Equals. And something that we talked about, I believe, on that episode, and I know me and Jason talked about amongst ourselves, was... Saul was a band that kind of, you know, you know, the, there were bands that came out right before the pandemic. There were bands that came out during the pandemic, you know, whatever. And that's kind of a weird time. It's already a weird time the last decade or so, you know, to, you know, to come out and market your band because it's such a convoluted landscape, you know, and there's so many avenues to get music out there. It's easier than ever before to get your stuff out there, but it might be harder than ever ever before to navigate your way through the mass amount of stuff that's out there. But the point of all that is, is that Saul, once they came out, they got, you know, caught on with Sirius and, you know, Sirius kind of pushed him up, I believe, you know, through Octane and everything with their track brother and made a real name for themselves right around the time of the pandemic, whenever I believe other bands were kind of struggling on finding out what to do. And they kind of carried that right over with a lot of touring once touring opened back up in 21 and up to this day. And then they released This Is It, The End of Everything. This summer, it was actually, I believe, early August. So we're setting it about three, three and a half months ago when this was released. So if you haven't heard This Is It, The End of Everything yet, please do yourself a favor and check it out. Great songs in this album, the opening track, Tooth and Nail. No, it's not a cover of the Dawkins song, but it stands epic on its own right. A Million Miles, 
Let me think. Jack and Jill. What are some other castles in the sky? This this album, just like the first album, as we like to say here on Thunder Underground, hashtag all killer, no filler. We like to say it when it applies, and it applies at this moment, I very much believe. So one other thing I wanted to mention before we jump into the interview here, or Jason and I talked about this, I believe with Blake on the last episode that he was on, which has been now over three years ago. They had released, it could have been 2018, but th- the point is something I'd talked about in depth a few times, you know, back then. It's been a while, but I went out on a couple tours with Dusty Grant and Sprout the Antihero. And both of them, you know, were doing their acoustic sets. You know, we traveled around the Midwest on both these tours. And one of them, we're traveling along, and Dusty, who had been, you know, not who had been, who was from the Wichita area, just like Sprout, was friends with Chris Dawson, who was well known for the band Seasons After, and of course he was the producer of Rise's Equals, the debut album from Saul. So anyway, the point of this is Chris Dawson had hit up Dusty, and said, hey, you know, once you check these songs out, let me know what you think. You know, we've got a few songs we're trying to decide through on what to push as this band's first single. And the band was Saul, and he sent over four songs to Dusty. So as we're driving, Dusty, you know, threw it on, and the three of us checked out these songs. You know, gave us thought, you know, talked amongst ourselves, and then Dusty sent back what our thoughts were. And we had kind of, you know, all agreed on one of the songs is our favorite, and I honestly can't remember what the name of that song was, but we're just going to pretend that it was Brother, since that's what ended up being the debut single and the, you know, kind of calling card single of the band Saul. So, you know, there's just kind of a background story. I just thought that was kind of unique, you know, that we had that opportunity and then ended up talking to Blake a year or two later, and here he is back again because the band has another great album out. I'll quit rambling and jump into this. Here we go. This is Blake Bedsall of Saul. Yeah, yeah, great response from fans so far. Everybody seems to be digging it. Um, the consensus is that nobody has uh, – it, it's hard to pinpoint one one song because uh, everybody has a different favorite song. So, I mean, that's that's a good problem to have. Yeah, absolutely. Like, what do you feel the progression is from the first album, Rises Equals, to this one? Um, You know, I don't know. I guess we, we didn't go in – um, with the intentions of like outdoing or or anything or, or using like our last record as a competition, we just came into this one just trying to write the best songs we can write, you know, in the moment. Um, it definitely it definitely has a different flair to it. We did work with somebody else. Um, our, the uh, first record, Rises Equals, we worked with Chris Dawson out of Derby, Kansas or Wichita, Kansas, you know. And then this one, we worked with Kyle Odell out of Nashville. Um, so, I mean, it's got a different flavor to it. Um, 
just being different locations, different, different feels, you know, uh, but you know, it turned out to be a great record, honestly. What did Kyle bring to it that made it different or made the process different for you guys or the end result yeah. even? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, he just has a lot more post-production stuff that we really dug that he does. Um, so he brought a lot, a lot more of that to the table, a little more effects, you know, stuff along those lines that we, that we dug, um, that, that he does. So, um, a little more of that flair going on in this record. Yeah. I did notice that there seemed to be a little bit more of the kind of digital background aspects yep. going on in some songs. So was that, was that something he brought in or something you guys envision yourselves? Um, you know, that's, uh, some of that stuff is just stuff that we've, that we had, that we did, um, you know, uh, just during the, the recording of the record. Um, but it's one thing that he does really well. That was one of the main reasons we wanted to work with him is having that, that post-production, that, bigger you know sound the the buzzsaw bass and you know all that kind of stuff that he does so um we went that went working with him with that intention in mind you know of, of knowing what he does yep you guys already had you know you guys are already heavy but I, I felt like at times there were songs on this album that felt even heavier was that kind okay. of you know i mean is that a natural progression you think or was that just kind of the theme of the whole concept of the album and the lyrics or is that something else kyle kind of pushed in there you think or you know, I guess it's probably, I would say it's probably a natural progression though. Um, but I mean, like Kyle's a, an amazing guitar player. So him and Zach riffing back and forth, you know, just coming up with riffs and doing, you know, just doing that kind of thing. So, um, you know, maybe he brought a little bit of that, but I know uh, the songs that we uh, didn't release for this record um, that we just did here in our own studio. I mean, they are super, pretty super heavy. So um, it's kind of, I guess, a, a natural progression that we were already kind of doing. So uh, um yeah, maybe he brought that out a little bit more in us. Was the the theme of this album, you know, kind of seems, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't think it's really a concept album, is it? But a lot of the songs kind of have, you know, that similar dystopian kind of theme to them. Was this something that was predetermined from you or was this something that happened once you started writing? Yeah, yeah, it really it happened more or less like while we were writing the record um, we went in there and we just did every song from the ground up. So we didn't really have like an idea of direction that we were going to go we just wanted to do everything bare bones right there in the moment so um the concepts and everything came flowing like as we were writing as we were recording and everything so um it was just a natural progression of what we were doing at the time well your lyrics you know always seem to have a lot more depth to them than a standard song i think is that something that you're always writing once you hear music or riffs or do you are you always writing lyrics i yeah i'm always i'm always writing lyrics i'm just uh, between the, uh, the band, we have a, a thread that's just called Lyric Thread, and we'll just throw out, you know, just some lyrics here. Maybe it's a one-liner, maybe it's just a title of a song, you know, something like that. So um, we're always writing lyrics and, you know, maybe melodies here here and there. But um, um, with this with this record, um, we didn't really use a lot of the lyrics that we were, um, like, writing prior to being in the record, um, uh, of doing the record. But... Um, we just did everything from the ground up and maybe it was just like a, a small concept like, Hey, I got this idea and you know, it's, you know, Jack and Jill or it's, you know, something like along those lines where I just like, you know, I'm going to do something quirky just like we did sticks and stones, the last record, you know, and just brought up ideas like that rather than having concrete, we got to use these lyrics kind of thing, you know? So when you're like digging through that stuff, is it easy sometimes to like think, okay, this lyric right here fits perfect with this guitar riff or this melody or whatever? Or is it sometimes you're digging through looking for something if you're kind of stuck or 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes it was, it, it's really 50-50. Sometimes it really pans out nicely to where it's just like, I have the perfect idea and I think I already got a melody based on these lyrics and something like that. But when I get my head wrapped into an idea of like, I really like this lyric, I can almost slow the process of just trying to cram it in there just to make sure it's in there rather than just like free flowing in the moment and just like writing the lyrics to it. You know what I mean? Rather than forcing these lyrics in. So um, it's kind of a double edged sword to where it's like, oh, this is a great lyric. I have to fit it in when I should just sit on it. And when it comes naturally, it comes naturally, you know, so not to slow the process of what's going on. But uh, um, it, it works out both ways, both ways. Like this song, like Behind These Eyes, that, that was the lyrics I already had written um that you know we wanted to do a song about and everything so uh it just really depends on the the mood and, and the moment of the song something else that always intrigues me about vocalists that have both you know clean and heavy vocals like how do you decide what lyrics are going to be clean or what lyrics can be heavy i know a lot of times it has to do with chorus or verses but like are there times when you hear something and think well this doesn't sound right and then you sing it heavy and you're like okay that's right or how's that process yeah. work yeah, yeah, I get that. I, yes, I definitely go through that. And like, uh, one thing I, I like about it is when it's like, so when I was doing vocals, vocals, it was just me, my, uh, my brother, Zach, the guitar player and Kyle Odell. And when I'm doing the part and Zach, Zach will be like, you know what, I'm thinking go a little heavier, I'm thinking go a little bit lighter, they're just getting that third party perspective where they're disconnected from it. They're just like thinking about the song itself. So um, I like I like having has his opinion and his feedback when I'm in the booth and I'm just I'm really just scratching something out, scratching an idea out. So um, Zach, Zach really helps when it comes to that stuff, for sure. Well, something else, you guys have released four videos already from this album and mm -hmm. all of them were directed by JT Ibanez. And, yep. they, you know, they give them all that same kind of feel and theme. Was that the idea of to bring in one director and say, let's do all this so they fit in well with this theme of this album and everything? Yeah, 100%. That was uh that was an idea that we definitely wanted to go with and just the one guy that has like the look uh you know that we were going for and that can just uh, uh you know make it happen. So when we were doing the music videos, I was talking between Juan, you know, JT Ibanez and then I was talking like Tom Flynn out of out of New York and like just chatting with these guys like I want one guy to do it all, you know. So when we decided to work with with JT um, we went down there and we were down there for nine days, shot all the music videos for the record. Um, we built the sets and everything right there in a, in a blank warehouse. And, um, it just turned out really well. Juan's got, he's got a great eye. And like, I just wrote up the concepts of the music videos and he's like, I can make any of this work. We can just make it happen. So it, it was a really great experience. And he's, he's a great guy to work with, honestly. You're saying everything, all the concept were, were from you? Yep. On the videos? Yep cool and then yeah, like so, jt is he more of a kind of a just a i don't know an aesthetic type of thing bringing it all together with the visuals and everything that you're looking for yeah yeah he was more he was because i told him like i got some content concepts because I'm, I'm like a huge fan of like the show like black mirror and like twilight zone stuff like that you know so um i just wrote up the concepts of, of the music videos and sent them over to him and he was like good he's like um, I'm not real big on doing it. I do it for bands, you know, writing concepts and everything. He's like, but if I got this, I can just think about the visuals on how to make it work rather than writing the idea. And you know what I mean? Like, so it just worked out really well for him. And it just worked out, I think, great for all of us. And when I sent them to the guys after I wrote them up, they all liked the concepts and the ideas. So um, it was just it was pretty smooth. Total side note for you. Have you seen that new Black Mirror episode with Salma Hayek? Yes. Yeah. 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 Like, I just that thought was it was wild. crazy that that. Thing came out like right about the same time as the whole ai 
strike thing happened with the writers in Hollywood is kind of amazing timing, you know, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was planned. Who knows, man? Who knows what they're up to? So. Yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs> Last time I talked to you, it's been, it was 2020. It was not long after the pandemic had started. It was right before rises equals was released. Yep. And tons of things have changed since then, but like you guys had really started to pick up steam, you know, the year before that, and like yep. did the pandemic, like slow that momentum for you guys, you think, or like, how did you guys kind of navigate that over the last couple of years before, you know, touring picked back up? And then of course we're at now with a second album and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, we felt like coming into, you know, pre COVID era, like we were like, you know, revolver magazine, Loudwire is like the next big act, the next big thing kind of thing. So when we hit that pandemic and we were supposed to be on tour with hell yeah and all that remains and like do this whole thing that was it was the first big wave push to like taking those next steps and we felt like everything just got derailed everything just you know we were doing everything in our power to try to stay relevant just on social media and doing all you know that you know the live feeds and you know just doing that kind of stuff so now coming back out of it we felt like you know there was a couple people on our team that we we've gotten new team members that kind of re revitalized us and like this is how you know like we need to get uh, back on this train we need to get back on this back on this and it kind of revitalized us um to make us push a little harder and like get out there and like make sure we're out on the road touring and you know with with great acts and you know because we just got off with memphis mayfire and norma jean which was an amazing tour absolutely loved it and now we're heading back out in september november with red and just it just feels so good to get back out and it, it almost feels like since we weren't able to do such a big release and a big you know push with the first record this almost feels like a new coming like it's the first one again you know what i mean because we can get out there support it and and you know be feet on the ground and, and be out there on the road yeah did you wait intentionally like an extra little bit of time to release this or did you guys want to tour first because i know you know it seemed like coming out of the pandemic as we expected it was kind of oversaturated with yeah. people touring and then releasing stuff so i mean i don't know if releasing now in 2023 you know was intentional because it seems like a smarter way to handle things in my opinion but yeah yeah i mean we talked about it as a team you know with the label and and, and booking and management and everything and we talked about it as a team and um we tried to hold off a little bit because we had we had a couple separate release dates that we were going to do that were a lot earlier and um uh we just decided that this was the best time period the touring was going to be the best um you know and then we just got to you know do focus on it a little bit more rather than try just trying to push it out and like, you know, fight through everybody trying to get out there on the road. Cause everybody was touring there for a minute, you know, as soon as it opened back up, it was a bloodbath, you know? So um, yeah, we just thought it was a smarter idea. Well, when you were playing these shows earlier this summer and playing the the new tracks before the album was that like, how were the, was the response from fans like as equal to songs that everybody already knew? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a great response because um, we didn't actually play any of the songs until we released them. Um, oh, okay. We went out there and and like because we released A Million Miles and Tooth and Nail and uh, Better as a Memory and then Jack and Jill earlier in the year. But um, yeah, we didn't play any of them until we released them. We wanted to people get it in people's hands so that right. way when we did do it live, um, they they could come in full swing and, and at least knowing the song, even if they didn't know it like to heart, you know. Um, because when we did Rise as Equals and like we were able to come back, you know, we played the songs before we released the record and everybody's just like, OK, OK, they didn't know the songs. So we wanted to reverse that whole that mentality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like you mentioned a few minutes ago, you guys are going on tour with Red this September and November, I believe it is. 
Like, yep. you know, talk about that and like what your feelings are on red and like how you think, hope that goes and everything. Uh, you know, if it's half as good as the Memphis Mayfire Norma Jean mm-hmm. tour, it's going to be amazing because that was amazing. Um, we've been big fans of red for a lot of years. Um, we've crossed paths with them uh, a few times. You know, we'd headline a, a smaller festival, you know, one night and then they'd headline the next night. So we've kind of crossed paths, but haven't actually met on stage yet. Um, so it's going to be great. You know, uh, they seem like great guys. Um, I can't wait to just get out there on the road with them and like shake hands and do the whole thing. Um, I, I just think it's going to be great. It's going to be our, our music is going to be a cohesive, you know, to where it's, we're not battling each other. It's the same kind of style. So I think, I think it's going to be great for the crowd. It's going to be, you know, just all around going to be an amazing tour is what, is what we're planning. Do you, I mean, do you not like tours like that where the bands are different genres? I mean, it's all like rock or metal, but it's kind of, like you said, you're battling each other. No, no, I don't mind it at all. Um, I, I like I have nothing against it at all. Um, I just don't know if it's it was weird for you know if it's weird for the uh, the fans or anything like that. But uh, um, it's never been a complaint. And like and like just meeting the guys and like knowing some of the songs and everything. It's never been a it's never been a thing like that. But uh, um, it's cool. You can definitely tell. Like you know, Norma Jean fans. Like there's a definite shift. You know, from yeah. Memphis Mayfire, Norma Jean, and us. It's like you know, it's kind of a revolving thing. So it's, it was cool. You know what I mean? And they're great, great freaking guys. Um, I just think there's going to be a little more uh, music synergy, you know, when it comes to us in red, you know, is what I'm thinking. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I noticed just the other day you guys made an, a Facebook post asking like who you think or who you'd like to see us tour with. Mm-hmm. You know, and there were a lot of great responses in there. Is there anybody like any names you would throw out that you would love to tour with? I would love to tour. I mean, obviously, you got to throw in there like the Slipknots, you know what I mean? Stuff oh, yeah. like that. You know, that'd be I'd love to get out there with the Iowa dudes, you know what I mean? Uh, so doing something like that, but I'd love to tour with like Kill Switch and Gage. Um, who else? I mean, honestly, anybody. I would love to go back out with Memphis Mayfire and Norma Jean again. Those guys were such good dudes. Great shows, sold out like every night. Um, somebody on my bucket list, I would love to do like a Tool concert. At least just one of them. I would love to tour with Tool. They're my my all-time favorite band. Um you know, anything like that, honestly, any arena tour, I'd love to go out like disturbed. You know, we did the song King of Misery, with David Draymond. I'd love to get out there and tour with disturbed, you know, even if it were the, the peon 20 minute set, I, I don't even care. I just want to get out there and do it, you know? Right. Well, that's another thing I noticed, you know, you guys, you know, stepping back to the album for a second, you know, you had the song you did with David Draymond, you had Morgan Rose on a song on the first album, mm-hmm. but this album, you kind of stayed away from that. Right. Unless I missed something. And yeah, was that an idea of just kind of like making it cohesive? This is Saul. This is what we're doing kind of thing. Or Yeah, it was kind of a thing. We didn't really, you know, on the first record, we kind of reached out to some people that, that we were hoping would be interested, you know, so we got, you know, contacted Morgan Rose and then David Draymond and like, they all wanted to come in and be part of it and, and do the thing. This one, we kept it pretty low key. Um, uh, a song like Castles in the Sky, uh, we had Sahaj Tikatin from uh, Raw. Uh, he helped with some vocal melodies and, and stuff like that. And then I wrote the lyrics on top, um, stuff like that. I mean, we did the song Rainfire with Maddie and Kellen from Memphis Mayfire. Um, oh, okay. Other than that, I mean, it was pretty pretty bare bones, just us in the studio. We had Johnny Andrews come in for a couple tracks, but um, it was primarily just us, you know, in the studio, just, you know, writing and recording. Man, Raw, that's one one underrated band if there ever was one <laughs> raw yeah oh yeah dude i love and like he's such a unique voice and everything yeah. and he's such a nice guy yeah I, I i do i'm a big fan of raw yeah 
Well, and also, you know, speaking of touring, I know last time I talked to you, you mentioned that Chad Gray was one of your, you know, all-time yeah. favorite singers. And, you know, since I talked to you, Mudvayne, you know, has got back together. Have you been able to yeah. catch any of those shows or have you guys done any festivals with them or anything? Yes, we did uh, Incarceration. It was their very first show back as Mudvayne. And oh, wow. it was great. So I got to meet Chad back. We were we were eating it because I, I know his wife pretty well from the, you know, the Octane stuff and everything. So um saw her and I'm like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, holy shit, that's Chad Gray right there. You know what I mean? Like, how you doing, man? So it was great. And we just sat down and, you know, ate some food and just chatted for a minute. And it was it was cool. It was cool to meet him. Super nice guy. Um, and one, I'm like, I, I love I love Chad's vocals. So um, uh, it, it was great to finally meet him and, and you know, and, and actually shake his hand and do the thing. So it was it was awesome. Besides this tour with Red coming up, I mean, do you guys have any concrete plans going into 2024? Or is that kind of a wait and see thing? I think um, the way it sounds right now, it's just going to be tons and tons of touring. Um, I was talking to the label and talking to the guys about maybe releasing some unreleased music, you know, at the top of the year, towards the top of the year, you know, maybe February, March, something like that. But um, um, just going from there and, and just keep plugging away and get just stay on the road really is kind of our, our mentality right now. Get out there and shake hands and, and play rock shows. When you say unreleased music, do you mean like some singles or like an EP type thing or have you thought um, I don't know because we're, we're we, yeah, we're sitting on about six songs that we did our own pre-production and stuff for that we might just, uh, you know, hit the studio and, and get them recorded and maybe just release something, you know, at the top of the year, like a, um, maybe a five song EP, three song EP, or just release a couple singles. So, we're just we're just kind of in the talks of it right now. All right, man. Well, I'm absolutely loving the new album, and I appreciate you taking the time with me again today and hope to see you guys live here down the line soon. Cool, cool. Thank you, sir, man. I appreciate you guys, you know, you having me back and everything. So it's it's great. There you go. Blake Bedsall of Saul. A huge thank you to Tim of Adam Splitter PR for his help with setting this one up. And of course, a massive thank you to Blake for taking some time out there to hit me up on Zoom. Talk about this is it, the end of everything. And of course, you know, everything Saul has had going on. Talking about some other great stuff there. Like I said, it's been over two months since this was recorded, so I'm looking forward to hearing this interview back in its entirety once I get this thing fully edited. So I hope you enjoyed that. I do know, and I do remember for sure that it was a fun one. Blake's always been a great dude to talk to and very personable. So I appreciate that. Once again, if you're new to Saul, please check out both those albums. Look at what these guys have going on. They're one of those bands that you listen to and you can tell are in for the long haul. You know, I kind of look at them in the same sense you would look at a band like, say, Seven Dust or Nonpoint that broke into the mainstream and has been around now for, you know, a long, you know, Nonpoint 20 years, Seven Dust 25 years or more, 26, 27 since the debut. And you know, continuously puts out new albums every two or three years and they continuously are all killer, no filler. And I believe that Saul is kind of on that same track. That's what I look for from these guys. So, you know, find me here in another, you know, 16, 17 years and we'll see if I'm correct now. If not, you know, don't blame me. You know, blame Blake. No, I was joking. We know that's not going to be the case. But anyway, if this is your first time listening, because you're a Saul fan, like I said, you can check out episode 295 that also featured Blake. We've got so many other episodes, 384 episodes before this. I mentioned Glenn Hughes earlier, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer from Deep Purple, the Dead Daisies, Black Country Communion, all that stuff. He's been on here twice now. 
That's one of the highlights of my life, talking to one of the greatest, in my opinion, Mount Rushmore vocalists in rock and roll history. I've also had on guys, you know, speaking of rock and roll Hall of Famers, I've had on Dizzy Reed of Guns N' Roses, Vivian Campbell of Def Leppard and Dio, and Gene Simmons of Kiss. Bruce Kulik, Bruce Kulik, formerly of Kiss, has also been on here, but unfortunately he's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for some reason, even though he should be, because he played on Kiss's best album, Revenge. Yeah, I just said it. Two members of Seven Dust have been on here, LeJean and John Connolly. We've had on two members of Clutch, two members of COC, two members of Dirty Honey, two members of Sons of Texas. We've had on members of Crowbar, Megadeth, Testament, Great White, Tesla, Warrant, Twisted Sister, Queensryche, Motley Crue, Shinedown, White Snake. The list is super freaking long, people. Vanilla Ice has been on this podcast. That should tell you enough right there that we span the gamut from everything from Vanilla Ice to Shooter Jennings to the Black Dahlia Murder. You can find it here. So dig through all these past episodes. Check out some stuff. You can find everything. TheThunderUnderground.com. Pretty much anywhere podcast can be streamed. You can stream us Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, all that great shit. Just Google Thunder Underground, which should be the second thing you'll find after you find the Ozzy song. You know, wherever you're listening now, like, subscribe, follow so you don't miss future episodes. Like I said, I've got an episode where I'm going to just be talking about some concerts from the past couple months. And then I've got a couple other things in store that are scheduled. So, of course, those will be announced once they happen. And again, this is Thanksgiving week. So I'm thankful that I finally got this episode out that should have been out a long-ass time ago. Thankful for, you know, what is coming close to the end of another great year of rock and roll. And another great year of this podcast. I appreciate all you guys for listening. Hit us on the socials. You can hit us, like I said, at thethunderunderground.com. You can find the links for all the socials there, so like, follow. And hey, if you see posts or anything, you know, an easy, super easy way to support this podcast is to like it or comment on it or share it. Because as soon as you do that, it helps, you know, spread the content around to more people. More people see it that way. And of course... That helps me in the long run. I've also got merch, so if you want to send a message, you know, through whatever social media or through the website or at thethunderunderground at gmail.com, be my guest. All right, once again, happy Thanksgiving and a huge thank you again to DEB Concerts, Sunset Tattoo, Adam Splitter PR, and Blake Bedsall of Saul. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.